0: News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like you. Just go to patreon.com slash samishah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast, where you can get tickets to my upcoming comedy festival shows in Perth, Sydney and Melbourne. That's patreon.com slash samishah. Top Stories of the Week Jacinda Ardern Quiet Quits Out Loud also, I never thought I'd miss Jim Molan and voice to artificial intelligence. All that and more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sami Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Galadriel quits on Lothlorien news now. New Zealand isn't just a better version of Australia, and the last known location of Myron, aka Sauron, the most powerful of the Maiar, a primordial spirit created to help the Valar first shape the world by of Vitar. It's also a country currently reeling from a shocking announcement. The egg shortage has sparked a scramble for hens, with supply expected to remain tight until the middle of the year. But the SPCA warns people against buying a chicken unless they have the right environment and time to care for the animals. No, wait, not not that. I mean, definitely that as well. An egg shortage is nothing to yoke about, sorry. But the real shocking announcement came on Thursday when New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern held a press conference. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. The youngest Prime Minister in New Zealand's history and a popular figure around the world has decided she is done with political life nine months before the next election. Normally, when a politician steps down before their term is up, it usually involves a sex scandal, or a corruption scandal, or a sexual corruption scandal, or a corrupt sexual scandal. So what reason has Ardern given? I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. Is this that great resignation stuff we keep hearing about? The world is changing and the way of work is changing. Even people saying, I'm not going back to the office. And if I do, I'm definitely quiet quitting. I think Jacinda Ardern just said the quiet part of quiet quitting out loud. I mean, why the hell not? Who says you have to be prime minister until you're kicked out by voters who are sick of your shit, which in Australia is called pulling a Morrison? Especially when two months ago, Ardern wasn't doing too great in the polls. Kiwis have dramatically changed their opinion about the Prime Minister's performance and the sentiment towards her is increasingly negative. Ardern has been steadily declining since May 2020. So when she says she doesn't have enough in the tank, we have to remember that tank runs on votes. See, for the rest of us, Jacinda Ardern was the Prime Minister who stood with her people during their worst crises. In 2019, she gave comfort following our worst massacre. She refused to say the terrorist's name. He may have sought notoriety, but we in New Zealand will give him nothing, not even his name. That same year, the Whakaari eruption tested her again. Then the pandemic hit and she locked the country down. Please be strong. Be kind and unite against COVID-19. And while that was appreciated locally, there were more national policy issues that her government failed to deliver on. Surging inflation, meaning the price of food, is now at a 32-year high. Many Australian analysts are confused by her decision to quit, not quite understanding why she doesn't stay in the role of the Prime Minister, keep fighting until her party loses the next election so badly it takes them eight years to come back from that loss, which is considered the standard here. Ardern's resignation leaves her Labour Party with enough time to choose a successor who might have a better chance in the next election. The list of possible replacements isn't long, but it's mostly a bunch of bland dudes whose names I've now read multiple times in prepping this episode and still can't remember a single one. There was a Chris, I think? Maybe a John? Or a Tim? I think it was a... No one's inspired by Tim. I can't. I-, I think one of them was a Tim, though. Still, while Ardern has many fans and supporters on the political left around the world who would be sad to see her go, people on the right are quite happy. People like Fox News presenter and suckler at Rupert Murdoch's teat, Tucker Carlson. Some rare good news, the appalling Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jakinda at- Ardern. Most authoritarian leader that country has ever had and no one else comes close. Or here in Australia, where her resignation is currently being celebrated by Sky News presenter and suckler at Rupert Murdoch's other teat, Andrew Bolt. Ardern's resignation marks a failure of woke politics. Which is weird because the Liberal Party's loss in the last election wasn't seen by Bolt as a failure of anti woke politics. It is worth considering that one way of knowing someone's worth and value is by looking at who their enemies are. In which case, Jacinda Ardern? Did quite all right. Out with the old, in with the old news now. Ever since losing the last federal election, and not faring much better in most of the state elections since, the Liberal Party of Australia has been struggling to figure out how to fix its problems. The questions being asked internally are things like, did they go too far right? Not far right enough. Should they go even more far right? Like, so far right that they end up just making a small loop around and around to exactly where they are right now. What about policies? Did they wank on enough desks? Should Scott Morrison have been holding a hose at some point? What about women? Are, are they still a thing? Do they really truly exist or are there some lefty woke plot to destroy the power of middle-aged white men? These and other existential questions are currently under debate. But what's obvious to everyone both inside and outside the party is that new ideas and new leaders are the way forward. They need to attract young people. New people and then give them the space to grow and bring the party forward into the 17th, maybe even the 18th century. So, what's their current plan? There are moves by some in the Liberal Party tonight to bring Tony Abbott back to federal parliament. That's right. The best idea in the party is to currently bring back the guy who everyone used to think at least Scott Morrison wasn't as bad as. The conversation to return him to the inner sanctum of politics, which he's been lurking around like a poltergeist with unfinished revenge to wreak on the land of the living, started after the recent death of Liberal Senator Jim Molan. Jim Molan's passing has left a sizable gap for the Liberals, for who can truly fill the shoes of a man accused of war crimes in Iraq in a United Nations special report, the architect of Australia's turn-back-the-boats policy, and a notorious climate change denier who also spent his time sharing racist videos on Facebook. I mean, I can't think of anyone more qualified to replace him than Tony Abbott, if that's the role they need to fill, and neither can former Victorian Liberal Party president Michael Kroger although I think his reasons are a bit different from mine. I, I, would, have thought, I would have thought Tony Abbott would have been a very, a very obvious replacement to have someone so senior to go into the Senate. He's not going to be leader again, we know that. Mm-hmm. But boy, what a, what a powerhouse of knowledge and, and experience you'd have in putting someone like Abbott to mentor some of the newer people in the parliament. I don't think you could find anyone better. Michael Kroger, who led his party to a defeat in 2018, thinks the best choice for the position that wouldn't require an election and is a guaranteed job for five years would be the former prime minister who suffered a defeat in his own seat in 2019. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how democracy is supposed to work. And if you think this idea won't get any traction, there are currently, as of this recording, seven different videos on the Sky News YouTube page discussing and pushing this idea. Well, if I, you know, if you handed out his CV, Dennis, uh, he'd be a shoe in I mean, given what he's done. Someone like Mr Abbott would be a very uh, appropriate uh, replacement, uh, given his history. Um, I don't think there needs to be a race to, well, we need to find... A vagina to put into this seat (laughs) for lack of a better word oh I think uh, that Tony Abbott undoubtedly has a hunger well if he would want to do it then I think he'd be an excellent person to pre-select because I think there is a need for some gravitas in the Senate and and there's a need for some elders in the Senate James have you spoken to Pauline about it what's her idea what's her view Well, I haven't spoken to Pauline about it, but I do know that the relationship between Pauline Hanson and Tony Abbott is very strong. Abbott has not commented yet on the speculation, probably because he's such a suppository of wisdom and gravitas. However experienced is the suppository of all wisdom. News satire is easier than I thought. News now. In a shocking move, the Australian government has announced that they will be giving a voice to inanimate objects in Parliament. We realise that we've been neglecting the opinions of our desks, chairs and even the doorknobs, said Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. It's only fair that they have a say in the decisions that affect them. The new initiative, called Objects of Parliament, or OOP, will see a representative from each object in Parliament giving them the opportunity to speak on issues such as budget, allocation, infrastructure and even climate change. We're really looking forward to hearing what our tables have to say about education policy, said Albanese. The move has been met with mixed reactions, with some praising the government for being progressive and inclusive, while others have criticised it as a waste of time and resources. This is ridiculous, said Opposition Leader Peter Dutton. We have more pressing issues to deal with than what our pencil holders think. The objects themselves, however, are thrilled about the new opportunity. I've been waiting for this moment for years, said a chair from the Senate. I can finally speak up about the lack of ergonomic options for parliamentary seating. The government is also planning on giving the right to vote in the next election to the objects, which has sparked criticism among the citizens. So, that entire garbage that I just read out, was written by the artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT. The only prompt I gave it was to write a news satire piece about Australia's voice to parliament, which it took kind of literally. So, what's ChatGPT? It is the embryonic version of online artificial intelligence, the early frontrunner that reportedly has just secured a $10 billion shot in the arm from Microsoft. It is then the new frontier for the tech giants. The initials GPT stand for Generative Pre-trained Transformers. It automatically answers questions based on written prompts. You do not need to be a techie to use this. It is user friendly. It puts AI in the hands of the masses. Lots of upside, plenty of downside. Last week, the New York City Department of Education banned access to this technology over fears students are using it to write their end of term papers. It is that good. So just how good is it? This time, I asked it to write a short satirical article about the formation of an advisory group for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples being enshrined in the Constitution of Australia. And here's the result. When asked about the lack of representation of Indigenous Australians in Parliament, the government has stated that an advisory group is better than representation because it is cheaper and less hassle. The government has also stated that the advisory group will be a good way to absolve itself of responsibility for addressing the issues faced by indigenous Australians. In conclusion, the government of Australia has once again shown its brilliance by proving that it is the best at coming up with solutions that benefit no one but itself. Well, shit. Not only is the AI able to be funny, it could be the world's only funny conservative comedian. Oh, and if you would really want to get freaked out by the way, that wasn't even me reading out that portion. I mean, it was, kind of. I use an AI voice cloner called Resemble.ai, which makes deep fake clones of your voice if you give it samples. Then it reads out the text you want it to in that voice. So I got an AI to write up a satirical comedy piece about Voice to Parliament, and then another AI to imitate my voice and read out that piece. Yeah, we're all fucked. (laughs) That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Like I said in the intro, you can join my Patreon, that's patreon.com slash samishah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-E-H, and get two free tickets to my comedy festival shows coming up in Perth from the 1st to the 5th of February in Melbourne for all of April. And in Sydney at the end of April as well, those dates are soon to be announced. Tickets for everything are also available on thesamishah.com. That's t h e s a m i s a j h. dot com slash shows. So just go to my website, click on shows and you can buy tickets there for full price or join my Patreon and get them for free. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.